everybody. We are here for a Democrat and Republican walked into a bar. We are at Ollie's Records and Beer here in Cape Coral. We're in a little different part of Ollie's. We're trying to showcase some of the different art and cool stuff they have around here. Very awesome. Different, different, different paintings. It looks like some of them are selling or some of them are sold. So that that's something to keep in mind if you're wanting to purchase but very glad to be here we had a bit of a delay last week i totally forgot to come it's totally my fault i had just moved into a new house and i was organizing and decorating and boxes and kids were going back to school after spring break and so it was busy for i her. just totally forgot i'm so sorry it's, everybody it's, no it's it, and i was i was perfectly fine with it it was just very funny to for me i was here I was like waiting for 30 minutes and then we called and then you were like, oh, what's going on today? I oh, no idea. I, it just, totally that's what happens. But that's when you're living your life and being a mom and setting up a new house like that, it's understandable. Yeah. But we're back again, and there's quite a bit to talk about, of course. Oh, as always, yeah. Where do you want to start, Sean? Uh, oh, wait, we got to tell everybody who we are. So this is Sean <laughs> Hartman. He is our Republican. He had ran for city council. I briefly ran for city council back in back in the last election cycle. I dropped out when I, after the districting came in, and I ended up being outside of the district. So I had to drop out of that race. But I've been involved with the Republican politics for the past few years. As you can see, I'm wearing my Byron Donald. He's wearing my opponent's <laughs> shirt, just in case. <laughs> just, just in case you know none of you picked up that i'm a republican <laughs> so he's um, the republican i am the republican just want to make sure that <laughs> branding was out there and i am dr cindy banier i was a two-time democratic nominee for u.s house of representatives here mm. in southwest florida 19 against byron donald's <laughs> the past two cycles i am also somebody who's been very active in our community nonprofit work working mm. also with the democratic party state and local caucuses and i am a mom of three kids and I am on faculty at a university here helping the next generation of learners get excited about America and our constitution, which is, I think we started off one of our episodes when Sean was talking about it, saying he was so surprised to hear a Democrat say they were excited about the constitution. <laughs> but I think that is just one of the things that highlights how disconnected we've been from mm -hmm. each other. And that actually the reality is that Americans are proud to be Americans, proud of this country. Yeah. And that's why we're here in this podcast. We're working to have a dialogue. Have to have these important discussions. There's quite a bit that's been going on. I feel like we have to start with the elephant in the room, which of course was the recent indictment that came out for Donald Trump. <laughs> the actual uh, indictment. The actual indictment. Okay. So it was like seven, eight days of us waiting, twiddling our thumbs. We didn't know it was going to happen. I'm shocked it's this one. It reminds me of the Chino being taken out by tax fraud. I always get the mafia guys yeah. every go. <laughs> and so I, I do think, however, and I do agree that this does come off a bit political, this case specifically. I'm, and with rule of law, I do believe that with some of the issues with Donald Trump, he needs to be held accountable, particularly with some of the other investigations going on. And he deserves a right to a fair trial. And he deserves, and if he is convicted he, he should be convicted this one however very simple basic simple how justice should be with this case however from my understanding of it it was two misdemeanors that they fused into a felony and that's where they're trying to get him at and it just feels like this shouldn't be the case that takes him down okay so let's back up here. yeah go ahead because so there was the release of an indictment for donald trump the announcement of a vote for the grand jury to indict donald trump 
in actually nobody really fully knows what's what is all oh that is yet. true yeah, i think it's because already won they yeah. the there was public records about who was going to be interviewed and for mm. how long so we know that stormy daniels and michael cohen yeah. and attorney packer were all involved in this but the we don't know because it hasn't been unsealed yet yeah so we will find out more there's been and this is through the Manhattan attorney in New York yeah. state. There are some people who are saying that it's potentially not only just related to the Stormy Daniels case, but it's the falsification of business record and reports of 34 counts, including at least one felony. But the truth of the matter is right now, we don't know That's true, actually, until yeah. it's unsealed. We do know that Trump's attorneys are planning on having him surrender because of the the indictment for mm. arraignment on Tuesday. So yeah. I assume that we'll find out more about this on Monday and Tuesday coming Wait, up. From my understanding, they're asking for no F's, but they're still going to have to do a mugshot, which I think will be very interesting to see what Donald Trump's mugshot is going to be. <laughs> How is, I think that Donald Trump wanted the handcuffs. You have no, he does not. From his attorney has said that they're not doing handcuffs. But, but again, like this is an individual where appearance is everything. So how are they going to do it? And then are the cops going to try to mess it up for him to make it look like he looks weird or whatever? I do, and I will say one of the big. I'm glad he's of course surrendering and abiding by the lawful order because we did see, of course, Ron DeSantis saying that he wasn't going to abide by it. Now, the problem with that, and I explained this actually to a fellow conservative of mine, is if you understand the Constitution, you understand there's something in there called the extradition clause. Mm -hmm. So even if Ron DeSantis doesn't, what, like, doesn't it. like it, if mm -hmm. Kathy Hochul signed an extradition order, he would have to abide by it. And I had people tell me, what about nullification? Because of the, the policy, the concept of nullification, which for those that don't know, it was a constitutional idea originating from Jefferson and Madison that basically said that states can either ignore or completely nullify constitutional laws. And regardless of what your position is on nullification, it wouldn't apply to this because this is specifically stated in the Constitution as a duty of the governor. So I was shocked that he said that because it is a blatant, a flagrant violation of the Constitution. But thankfully, Trump is going to be uh, well, he surrendering. He rolled it back then. Yes. The thing that he rolled it back, because again, he was proposing something that would have been a direct violation of the Constitution. It would have been secession-based, which I thought could have been part of the strategy. So who knows? That's true. We have enough neo-Confederates in Florida that it could have won him some support. For that too. <laughs> so I will say that I don't think it's been political. I think that there there was a grand jury, which is mm. impartial, That's right? Yeah. And it's a lot of people. It's 24 people on a grand jury. It does only a simple majority. So it's different than... Yeah. And and again, well. the district attorney is the one who is the only one presenting the evidence as well. So it does come in very skewed with a bunch of cases. This is one of the biggest issues in general with criminal justice when discussions of criminal justice reform comes out, which I definitely agree with how grand juries tend to be conducted in that way. Mm -hmm. I, again, I do agree that we have to wait to see what the actual charges are before we make a final judgment. We are a party of rule of law, and I do want these investigations to properly play out. But yeah. again, if we're doing this on President Trump, we have to have, and I, do, I will give credit to Merrick Garland for having a special prosecutor for the Trump 
documents and the Biden documents and that we're taking that seriously by in a bipartisan level. Yeah. Well, a lot of Republicans are still upset that Hillary Clinton, not to bring her back up again, because we always bring her but up. But her emails. But her emails. But again, you oh, look Sean. at, there is that too. I'm sorry. As Byron Donalds would say, there's a two-tiered system of justice. It appears that way sometimes. The, um, the only two-tiered system of justice is between black and white and rich and poor. Yep, that, okay? yep. So let's put it that way. There, but, there are broad, listen, we broad have... but her emails. And here, okay, so let me say it like this. Let me say it like this. There's a lot of other things to keep in mind, too. This is just a grand jury. This is just an indictment. It's not the trial yet. Yeah. So there's a lot of other legal things that are going to happen. Yeah. There could be other exculpatory evidence that comes out. The case could get dropped. There, there's things that we probably don't even know about it as well. That That's right. the other part of it. We only know what's been covered. Right. And we've gotten... Conflicting reports from people official. who, yeah, nothing official and nothing yeah. that a lot of the sources are people we can't really trust. So, yeah, you don't know. There's been no evidence. Just actually, like when Trump had made the claim now two weeks ago, yeah. three weeks ago, this point, it was a couple weeks ago, but he said, Oh, I'm going to be arrested on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And then it didn't happen. Yeah, it was about um, two weeks ago. Yeah, it was. That was another thing where we didn't have any other evidence except for what mm -hmm. Trump had said. Yeah. So, I think it's, I think it's, fair to say everybody should wait and see and everybody should see how it actually plays out because a conviction is much different than an indictment. And that's where I think I don't know how you're going to get a conviction out of this particular case. I think that the other cases I think are the ones that are more concerning, at least legally, because they deal with sure. either national security or the very system of the republic that we have. Yeah. I do see we have a comment about 34 more charges that Hunter Biden has. That that's is John. Well, true. But... Say hi to John. So John is actually running for Congress from Colorado. Oh, welcome. So happy to, to see, see you. you. Happy to have you here, John. Yeah. But I will say, I do also agree with you, not to sound like a broken record, but I do think there are serious issues when it comes to Hunter Biden. Please, God, take I... him. Take him. Arrest <laughs> him. Do whatever. Because if we okay with... get Republicans to stop talking about it, I will give you I will give you Hunter Biden just to get back to governance discussions, please. That's a fair Take point. Take him, uh, prosecute. He's if there's a, something, find it, do it because I'm so damn tired. Well, the issue of really, just talking about it. The issue isn't necessarily Hunter Biden, though. It's how much of the money possibly went to Joe Biden, and that's what's being investigated right now. And we don't know. It's all speculation. Obviously, that whole system is the pretty classic. Let's call it elite capture yeah. type of thing that happens where other countries and are trying to get favor and mm -hmm. so family members anybody that they think that can be somewhere in the orbit yep. they're giving them high paying jobs for mm -hmm. things that they're not qualified for and i'm not saying it's right no it definitely i'm not isn't. saying it's right but it's very much the way that every government administration has run even the trump administration mm -hmm. and the biden administration going back oh, to of course it's because there is People at the top mm. levels of the government are wealthy folks. They're elite folks yep. and they all know each other and their family members are pe people who are, they try to buy influence <laughs> from yep. and there's, but it's really, I don't know. It's just another way to get a curry influence. And you could talk about all sorts of different types of money in politics. And I would actually like to see all of that. Yeah. Out of our system. Oh, of course. Right no, I would actually agree with you there. And I think it's with what you say, like the thing with these quote unquote elites that 
are in control, if you will, is it their power doesn't come from their money. Their power comes from their connections. Sure. It's the right. relationship. Who that Yeah. And so you're right. Is these businesses like like Barismo or these Chinese yep. companies hired Hunter Biden, just like you had situations with the Saudis using Trump hotels and all these different organizations sure. doing that. And I don't know who in the Obama family people were hiring, but I'm Bush family. I'm I mean, sure it happened. saying, I think what now Malia, the older daughter, uh, just got like a internship at New York Times or something along those But lines. now he's not in the, he's not president anymore. So it's not like they but Yeah, but the, but the Hunter Biden thing happened after Joe Biden was vice president. But he still had the possibility of becoming president. I don't think anybody realistically thought that. At 2012, <laughs> in 2012, fair, okay. in that 2012, 2016 period, there was a time where they thought he was going to run against Hillary. I don't yes. think, I will say this honestly, 100% honestly as a Democrat, I don't think anybody post Obama really truly thought Joe Biden was going to run for anything. Oh no, I thought he was. He came into the fray after 2016 because really he should have run in 2016 he really should have yeah I if agree. it was a thing but that was like hillary's time and blah 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 not only that he had just lost Bo, and he was right. dealing with that i think i was speculating that he was ready to go Bo asked him to do it and then he passed away and then he just didn't have the emotional that t- takes a lot out of you to sure. run for office in general let oh, alone yeah. the highest office in the land yeah so- but that's what i'm saying so i think that everybody by the time 2020 rolled around it was like Nostalgia type of thing. Well, like we want- I think he stood up to run because he, because he thought he had a good shot, which obviously that yeah. is what happened. But because he could be that kind of like calming intermediary figure amongst Democrats. A, ba- right? a back to normalcy type of situation. Well, and yeah. I don't, but I don't think anybody in the Democratic field was like, I don't think anybody right now is super stoked on him. I'm not going to lie. But. I was looking through my old <laughs> photos on, on, on my phone and there's a meme that I downloaded when he got the nominee and it's Joe Biden is the nominee and it's Bob from Bob's Burgers. He says, fine, but I'm complaining the whole time. And I'm like, it's so true. It's like, there's so many people I'm just okay for Biden. Listen, like, the criticism of Biden had been in the past that he was the half loaf senator, right? I think we talked about that before, right? I don't think on this one. So no. half loaf, he had been called the half loaf senator because he was the guy that would make a compromise, right? He would come in and he would meet you in the middle, which really like from a governance perspective. That's what you need. Good. But in the kind of political space that we're in. Yeah. It's very unsexy. <laughs> no, no, it isn't. And the fact that he had a, even a, any sort of relationship with Strom Thurmond, he was being beaten down by yeah. that in the debates. Listen, so, I worked for Spencer Abraham and Biden's office was right across the hall. He was a nice Spencer fellow. Abraham was a Republican. Yeah, he was Spencer a pretty conservative Republican, yes, actually. Yes, he was. That's who I got my political career started with. And we were friendly. Didn't he get like Secretary of Energy He was or Secretary something? of Energy after. Yeah, after yeah. Put, yeah. He lost his re-election. Uh, that would be why. And then he got, when so Bush the, the appointed him to Secretary of Energy. Consolation Bryce. It's a pretty decent consolation. Yes, it is. I remember when. Lost to Debbie Stabenow. Oh, yeah. Is that. And now she's, didn't she recently? Now she just re- retired. Yep. So now Michigan's got a whole interesting thing going on. But point being, Biden had, was the half loaf senator. Now he's the half loaf president. <laughs> it's like, he's made these compromises. He's doing an okay yeah. job. Everything's pretty even keeled, but nobody's super excited. Yeah, no. And every time he, obviously when he makes some of these compromises, he like ticks off the progressives too. Yeah. We had this situation, I think, he opened up, was it Alaska somewhere? Yeah, the Willow Project. Okay, so yeah, the Willow Project, which of course I would I support because it leads no. to MGC. <laughs> but again, we need more energy. We, we need to lower of, it. We have plenty of tar sands. But anyway, well, obviously we disagree on that issue, but well, I, the progressives are upset. But the they're yeah, oh no, yeah, and so it's understandable why 
We have some friends, we have coming, some in friends coming in. Actually, yeah, so this is a great opportunity to shout out to our audience today. We have Sean's grandparents are here. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Yeah, my grandparents became fans of the show. And then of so we have some other friends AO. coming in. Hey, and my daughter Evie's over there having her own concert as and always, dance. As Evie always does. And we it's do hope that on another Sunday, you will come and join us. We're here from four at Ollie's Beer and Records. Shout out to Ollie's. Yep, as always. Um, I'm drinking what? today a raspberry peach bellini sour. Mm. It's really delicious. They have a ton of great stuff on tap. They mm. have they have sandwiches. Evie's a big fan of the s'more sandwiches. Mm. Uh, that recently, very good. I know they have a comedy workshop this evening too. That's going to be really fun. So if you want to learn how to do some improv comedy, come on, head over here to Ollie's. And big announcement. Mm. Not next weekend because it's Easter Sunday. Yes. The weekend after but, we were announcing this weekly. Yes, we are going to be doing after Easter Sunday, this Easter Sunday. We're both faithful Christians, so we're going to be in yep. our respective churches. After that, though, every Sunday from here on in, we'll be doing it every we'll week, which I'm very Sunday, excited right? for. Yep. I enjoy there's these. there's so much stuff, and the there, campaign's coming. Oh, of course. That's the other thing we have to talk about. We have, obviously, all this pump indictment is growing the field, and we got an exciting, super exciting wow, new... Wow, <laughs> Sorry, I'm so I'm being sarcastic, of course. Asa Hutchinson, who you may not know, is the former <laughs> governor of Arkansas. He is the who is the who was the previous before Sarah Huckabee Sanders. There from 2015, 2023, he was Bush's DEA agent. He looks like every TV show version of a president. Yeah, that's and he is running for president. And along he's, with Nikki Haley, along with Nikki Haley, Republican president Nikki primary. Haley and. Vivac something or other. He's the guy who wrote this book called Woke Inc. And oh, he's running for president. He did announce. He did okay. announce. And so for some reason, he's running. Asa Hutchinson's running. And there's the first person apparently to announce is this guy, Corey Stapleton. He's the Montana Secretary of State. He has an exploratory committee currently. So he's but he's also running. And obviously, Ron may be announcing, supposedly going to be announcing after the legislative session. I wow. do believe he did sign that law. Yeah, so that give allowed, us an update on that. Yeah, didn't. So we have a resign or run law that, quite frankly, I don't know why we have it. I don't think we should have something like that. But we did until Governor DeSantis decided he may run for president. And so the legislature decided to pass the law to repeal it so that way he could run for president. So Obviously, yeah. He did, it did pass. Wait, can I raise my hand? Yes, go ahead. It did pass. Oh, I heard it passed. Okay, I'll have to check I on that then. I could be wrong we too. Could all be wrong. So let's not declare anything that officially. That, that that he tried to push it through when all the hubbub yeah. of the Trump indictment came out. So that was the yes, that's what I heard. That's that he was like trying to slide it in there because, from what I understand in Tallahassee, that it's controversial on both sides. Obviously, Democrats are not going to be on board because they don't want him to run for president. But yeah. I think that there's also other Republicans that don't want to see people eating up the space. Which want, yeah, happen. you have the Trump supporters out there who don't want to give him that opportunity. Right. And then what happens if they don't pass it? And then will he still run? Or will he stay as governor and wait till 2028? What's going to be his calculation there? So that's what I'm very curious about. There's also been a lot in legislature, of course, with things getting passed and everything. But again, Asa Hutchinson now in the race, I think super exciting. We're going to all invert in 2024. Just, just Asa 2024. I think I him and Marianne Williamson need to get on a ticket as an independent. Yeah, but you know, 
Oh, Marion Williamson. <laughs> Marion Williamson announced for the yeah, Democratic, Democratic primary. Can run as a unif unification. Oh, Lord. She's known for espousing the power of love. Which we politics. need politics. I'll admit Which, we'll need I mean, in politics. It's so very quaint. But apparently, in the, and I didn't know a heck of a lot about her until her run in 2020, mm. which was self-funded largely. I guess she made a lot of money as an author, this kind of self-help, self-love guru. Something in miracles or something, a lesson in miracles. And... Basically, she got her start with Oprah, much like yeah. Dr. Oz. And she, did, and she was like a <laughs> spiritual guru to all these different celebrities. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. So like the, she what, sure the, made the debates exciting. Yeah, she really did. Oh my god, <laughs> those random. were like, like I really want there to be like there has to be a Republican Marianne Williamson that I just want to see. Just one of our conservatives with into crystals and hit. <laughs> I don't know if anybody needs that. So that's what's going on with the Trump indictment and the updates with the presidential primaries. Mm. Now I know that when we were talking last week, there's a couple other things that you wanted to talk about that were happening locally related to access for folks with disabilities. So actually I will say, uh, I do applaud Lee Tran for responding a little bit quicker than I, I expected. I don't feel like the issue has been resolved though, but I want to explain what sort of happened. So when I was coming here for the episode, recording this episode last week, I had, I, because of my autism, there's a lot of coordination issues that come with that. And one of those is with the bike rack, there's a way that the bike rack can be done where you can just lift it up if the bus, if they lift the bus up, or there's a way where they have to move it all around. And it, the second part becomes a lot more complicated because of all the tasks involved. And it's not just me, other people with different disabilities would have this issue. I'll explain to you, Bob Cody, who's the, our lead train director, twice about this issue. And so far, the issue had been resolved after that second time. But I had an individual when I was putting my bike up, he had to come out to help me. And he said, why do you guys always have to make this so good? And I was very offended. And I called Bob because I do have his number. And I sent them over an email. And they did respond back to me. And but the response was, we told them not to do it. We're going to let them know again not to do this. And I understand why they can't terminate the individual because they didn't hear the conversation where it was outside. And of course, so you have labor unions and the agreements that are there. But I have asked them to at least move him out of Cape Coral because I do not feel comfortable riding the buses right now because I was essentially verbally assaulted by this individual. And I and other disabled individuals have a right to feel safe on buses, on these public transportation. I have yet to receive a response. That was a week ago. I am considering finding a lawyer or some sort of legal counsel and filing a federal complaint because I believe that will at least make them understand that I am serious. Because the fact of the matter is, if this happens to me and I'm able to speak out about it, how many other neurodiverse individuals or disabled individuals aren't, is it this, is this happening to that aren't speaking out? And so I want them to take this seriously. And I have, I know Bob personally, I have, again, like I said, I have his personal phone number who communicated a few times. So he knows, and I know he's not the type of person who supports this, but I also know like with bureaucracies, their hands can be tied. In case you do something like with a lawyer, they're not going to listen to you. So I am considering taking any appropriate legal action. I'm hesitant to do so because I don't want to sue the county, but whatever needs to be done to make sure that this doesn't continue to happen is something I've been wanting to focus on um, 
that I'm going to be doing. Sorry, I'm smiling because like your justice heart and your fiscally conservative heart are fighting. I know, right? <laughs> no, right. I don't want to cost the taxpayers money. <laughs> but you but want you, justice. I want okay. justice. I'm really sorry it happened <clears throat> to you. I really think that it's important that we have adequate accommodations for yeah. people on public transportation. And anybody who's in that type of service job shouldn't be talking inappropriate to yeah. people that, whose job they're there to help. I applaud your efforts of taking the next because mm. a lot of people don't. But I think that this is why, and I will pull out my anti-fiscal conservative heart and say, <laughs> I think this is why we need to invest in having proper trainings, could be a training issue within the organization, but also making sure that we have the right type of technology to accommodate folks with, yeah. with any type of disabilities. And we could also be having, we, this could be eliminated by an easier system as yeah. well. I think well, that I mean, we have an, a public interest to make sure that we are making the mm. appropriate investments. Yeah, with training, I would absolutely agree. We need the proper training and we should maybe invest. like a DEI training. Oh dear God. Because actually inclusivity includes folks with disabilities. It does. No, you're right. I've actually had never really had an issue with DEI as it, it uh, as itself. Where I've had issue is is how it's sometimes been implemented and sometimes it just gets implemented in ways that just makes it like, oh, because you're privileged, you should feel shame or sorry. And there's a way that we can educate about these very real issues that different individuals, such as myself as a disabled individual or different minorities face without shaming other people or making them, yeah. you know, they're, you know that, exactly, that's the, and mind you, there are stuff that regardless of what they're teaching, we're going to have to feel bad about it because it's a part of our history. I think there is an, anytime I read about different instances of black histories, particularly in the 20th century, there was one that I found out very recently how there is a coup. The only coup in American history was in this city in either North Carolina or Tennessee. I don't remember which one, but they elected a black city council and the white people rose up and lynched them and took the city government back. And it's the only coup in U on U.S. soil in American history. And you read about this type of stuff. Rosewood, I think it was. I think it was Rosewood, but I may be wrong. I read about this stuff and I get upset as people naturally would. But at the same time, we have progressed since then. Sure. And we still need to focus on that and what more needs to be done. I don't think we should throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to our American traditions, but we do have to be honest about our history. Yeah. And I honestly but, don't, I think that there's a lot of d disinformation around this, especially around the discussions of critical race theory and things like that, because nobody's going in and saying, oh, this is bad, or mm. you should feel game and shame and guilt around this. It's, but a lot of it is shifting away from what had been many considered a whitewash narrative yeah. to include more pieces of information about history yeah. that were excluded because they weren't deemed to be important. And this includes women and Native Americans and people oh, yeah. who had been enslaved and a lot of people who were overlooked and frankly, other types of immigrants at the mm -hmm. turn of the century. I oh, mean, of course. You know, the reason we have Columbus Day is really because of the discrimination of Italian immigrants. So there was you know? a whole other thing. <laughs> That's, there was a whole other thing. We'll probably have a Columbus slash Indigenous Peoples Day episode. Anyway, no, what was I going to say? It was a different fight in a different time. But yeah, I, yeah. Think, I just think that people are misled to think about I, it and I think it is is I look at it where I do think you have like bad apples with certain teachers who do engage in what we would call indoctrination or pro or promoting whatever sort of agenda they're wanting to promote and there are other teachers who are very good at trying to keep those biases 
out of the classroom. And I think that, again, it really comes down less about what is being taught, and but more on how it's being taught. And as if that's where I think the focus should be on, as opposed to, oh, okay, this is, I think there was that, that AP African-American history class where they didn't want to talk about these specific issues. Unfortunately, when it comes to education, we have to teach people as much as we can. And I am a very pro-education individual. I think that in order to have a free society, we need to have a well-informed society. And so making sure that people know these type of things and these different theories, and that's really all, they're, they're social theories, they're concepts and ideas. I had the opportunity at, at UCF, I had a political ideology professor that taught me everything about liberalism, conservatism, socialism, but also fascism and different ideologies that you wouldn't think about wanting to learn about. And we have a right to learn about these theories and teach people them so that way they can make their own decisions and can be free thinkers. But again, it is again how it is taught. And I think it's more, you have teachers who are bad apples and they should be root them out like the way most Republicans think about the police issue. Okay, I was was going to say, getting in that, because I was like, but why is the solution for teachers to make blanket rules? That's my point. And Mm. regulations on that. But if we have bad apples in the police department, Mm. we don't want to do that. I was, that was what I was getting at. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, look, we, as Republicans, and mind you, I do actually believe in police reform because they're supposed to serve us and they have a specific role involves life or death scenarios. And I don't maybe don't think we shouldn't defund the police, but we should actually provide them more funding, like you said, for training and for better security and personnel. And I don't think it's a bad thing to bring in social workers as well, because right now cops are acting as the social workers yeah, in these cases. They're the first line in Florida, and so, in particular for mental and health so, service acts. But I think that would mean more funding for the police, not less funding for the police. But at the same time, we should have reform and we should make sure that police are serving and protecting the community and that people feel safe around them. And that's a role of government and communities. But again, that's the how Republicans treat the issue of police is how I think we should treat this issue of of education is we have bad apples and teachers who won't who will teach an agenda, not teach information. See, that would be great if that any of that were actually happening. But that's not no, actually it is. The point. No, it is happening. I so here's the thing. I just was on a panel with other mm. professors this past week. Future, you can check out. I'll post it on my Facebook page mm. tomorrow. And this was actually out of Michigan State University I'm talking. It was all other professors from different places in the country, one from North Carolina, one me from FGCU, and then mm. another from Florida Southwestern State here, different departments. And we all, it's known within the higher ed instructors yeah. is that we're not indoctrinating. Like mm. we can't get students to show up to class. We can't get them to turn in their homework. If yeah. we could indoctrinate them to anything, <laughs> we would be indoctrinating them to that. It would like... There's nobody so, that comes in, in in with a type of political agenda. There are different teachers teaching different things. Mm-hmm. And there are some people who are teaching things that can be construed as controversial. But here's the thing. The vast majority of students have the ability to choose whether or not they want yeah. to engage in that material. That's and true, even true. within that, you can't indoctrinate people to think about things that they don't want to think about can just not show up and they do. And that's what students do. So we had this conversation, check out that, that panel interview I'll post, Mm. but I just, I just don't even know if there are that many bad apples is the problem. So because there's, there is not, there's just not people who are responding to that. And on top of that, there's no way to actually enforce some of this. No, that's true. Because this is not about actually governance or enforcement. This Mm. is culture war, red meat. This Mm. is Ron DeSantis laying a pathway for his presidency. Mm. And I don't think they have any intention of really 
doing some of these things other than to kind of do them to it's do performative them. it's yeah, definitely it's performative. performative i will say where i do agree with you in the sense that you're not you are indoctrinating you're not effective because and i will say christy mclaughlin ran against me <laughs> for those of you that don't know in 2020 one of the republican contestants for florida 19 was who ran Christy against this fire who ran against, ran against byron, byron was my student, like my prize student, by the way, <laughs> like one of my oh, wow. very favorite prize students. I had actually made an amazing video on human trafficking as extra credit that she didn't need because she was like 120 points above oh, what she needed. Oh my God. And she made this amazing video that I showed to every single class every semester because it was such a great video. And I said, here's an example of an extra credit that you could do on a global issue, blah, blah, blah. I was teaching global issues. And uh, so it's so funny in 2020 when she announced her candidacy, I'm like, that that's my student. Yeah. And yeah, and not only is she a Republican, but she is now very yeah. extreme. Yeah, she's conservative she's like, for sure. She ran for 22. She ran for one on the east side of the state oh, um, in she? 2022. Yeah, she ran in the primary. But she's tight with Roger Stone and yeah. all these other folks. But yeah, but I was an indoctrination. I was going to say, I will say from my experience of being a conservative in college, the indoctrination was coming from the fellow students. It was all the students around me who are progressive and who were with all these different organizations. And it was them who were bringing these issues to the forefront. And so it wasn't the teachers, but I will say, and where I do disagree with you is I do believe there are teachers and professors. I've had some myself where I have had professors who I had one professor, for example, a Middle Eastern studies professor. There were a question on the test. One of the questions on the test was what the capital of Israel was. Now the capital of Israel is Jerusalem, but there was no Jerusalem there. It was only Tel Aviv. This was before the embassy was moved. And we had a huge debate about that. But that, and that's one example. I have, there was another one. I'm not even going to get into it. Yeah, but the point is, is these, it's not indoctrination. Indoctrination is not how I would describe it. But yes, they are teaching to an agenda and they're pro promoting, doing I mean, everybody, it. Everybody, professors have a paradigm. They usually lay it right out for you in you any of the to... things that they say. Our audience has a comment. Audience Crystal. comment. Do you want to slide over here and say something? Yeah. Yes. You might, I think you could get in behind Sean here and say something. Now she's, this is Crystal Siskan and she is otherwise known as Sean's what, lefty bestie? Lefty bestie. Just proofing yeah. once again that Republicans and Democrats can be friends. Yes. All right, let's see if she can. Sure. She was sitting in front of me. I'm shorter than you. That way. <laughs> well, let her take over for a moment. I know. I don't want to take over. I just well, want no, because then it's what do you want to say? Uh, yeah, yeah, you can't go well, far. No, Sean. Like I want to be, but yeah. Can I just be like Crystal for a second and say first? I want to stop this talk about indoctrination for a second because mm. I feel that the word is being used incorrectly. Okay. Now both of you are very educated humans. I am not. I am a product of the Florida education system back when all of the things and the changes that we're making now were in place. I went to school before they were desegregated. I did not receive proper sex education. Mm -hmm. I have traveled the country and I have found myself lacking in what other children got as their regular education. Mm -hmm. This is a privilege that we are taking away from our children. First of all, I want to uplift that because this is so creaky. <laughs> I want to uplift that because everybody thinks that they're protecting their mm -hmm. children from this indoctrination, but what they're really doing is not educating their children in reality. So if anybody's indoctrinating, let's look at this. If you were Socrates or somebody and you said, what do you think about this? And you listened. Is that indoctrination? 
No, that is enlightenment. So here's the issue. Nobody is indoctrinating anyone. They're giving truth and facts and enlightenment. Indoctrination is saying we can't teach something. We can't mm. allow someone to know about something. We're going to keep somebody in the dark. That's indoctrination. Can we agree on yeah, that? Yeah, we can agree on that. Thank I can you. definitely agree with I that. I needed to uplift that. Thank <laughs> you. It's <laughs> kind of why I was trying to shift away and say agenda now, as opposed to indoctrination. I was going to say, and, at some point here, Crystal Siscon is going to have her own podcast mm. that she's going to launch that's ready to rock and roll. And we're going to be so excited when yep. that happens. Soon. <laughs> so I think I think that's a good place to, to close out that discussion. Yeah. So what else, what other things were on your mind that you were looking at this week? And I know we covered Trump and the presidential mm. primaries. We covered a little bit about higher ed and education here in Florida. Yes. I know we have a lot of, I really, with the legislation that's coming up, I, part of me really wants to see what gets passed and what get, get, doesn't get passed. Me Before too. I really comments further on it there's a lot and i, I did want to say this because i had the opportunity to read through some of the trans bills that were being proposed and they are coming off strongly too far in my opinion with some of the things that they are proposing especially when it comes to the issue of parental rights and government control they are there's proposals to take away kids from their parents if, if they take them to a drag show there's proposals to Take kids away from parents if they support their transitioning. There's, they're now wanting to censor the existence of trans people into high school, and oh. they're yeah, exactly. They were just, you're pot, pot, it blows my mind. Yeah. Anyway, so this is not. I am a Republican because I believe in freedom and individual liberty, and regardless of your personal or religious beliefs, when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community, one, trans people exist. And two, and more importantly, they have the right to exist. And I think we can have very serious discussions and issues on a wide variety of issues when it comes to this topic, such as which trans, what sport a trans woman will go into. I still personally have things about puberty blockers and when's the age appropriate age for that. And we can have these general discussions, but we have to at least start with the basic fact that trans people have a right to exist. And that just like everyone else in this country, they have an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I'm not saying that for the applause. I'm not saying, I know I feel like people are going to be like, oh, he's gone woke or whatever. No, this is, for people who don't know. And left I, yeah, left yeah, yeah, I know. But I told her I was going to say, try to say something about this because, no, but, and I, I won't go into too many details because they don't want me to. But I had a family member who came out as trans to me about a year ago. And so after that happened, I, of course, asked them a bunch of questions about how it works to try to get a better understanding. And I did my own research on it. And what I've discovered is that we don't really know what causes someone to become trans. There seems to be there's a debate of how much of it is nature, how much of it is nurture, because there is an aspect of it that is prenatal hormones because it's sex hormones that is in some way causing these situations. I feel like we don't know enough. I feel like we need more research and information about this. I think that with Republicans, I don't think 
for most Republicans, it's not coming out of a position of hate, just a position of ignorance. Yeah. And I know you'd probably disagree with me on this, or maybe you. No, I agree. And I think, I think that, there's a lot of disinformation. I think people I think, are using this as a wedge issue because of the lack of information and lack of knowledge. And the, but it seems very strange to folks. I understand. It, it is, of course, it, it was. It can be very confusing to a lot of people. I, again, as I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast, I'm on the autism spectrum, so we have a general difficulty with understanding social behaviors and social cues. So you come in with, now we have two genders, now we have three genders, now there's 64 genders. Then there's people like us who's, whoa, hang on, I just got through with three. But so there's obviously situations, obviously for a lot of people, it's confusing. And I do agree that it is something that a lot of people have to get used to. But again, the trans people have a right to exist. And we have to start at that basic concept. And again, we don't know when it comes to trans children, we, again, we don't know what causes it. And I think there are some questions and some discussions we need to have when it, when these types of, no, we should never be discussing. okay, so Crystal I was, disagrees. I was going to say, let's get back to the freedom component. We'll get right? back where I will say again, here's the thing, yeah. freedom. And there's been a lot of folks, especially that have come out for medical free, but they're willing, they don't want to be vaccinated, but they're willing to take away Someone. a parent or a, an adult to transition their body. Yeah. And that's very hypocritical. Agree. Yeah. And at this point too, there is no one that's mm. qualified to make a judgment exactly. on a healthcare situation, except for the healthcare experts and that person well, and their family. It's okay? interesting when we when the issue of Obamacare was that big of an issue, the big talking point was we don't want government to get involved between the decisions right. of an individual and their doctor. Absolutely. And that's what we would be doing in some of these decisions or the and stuff that's abortion? been going with the medical board issue. Abortion's okay. a different issue. No, it's not. But to me, abortion it is. It, 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 but again, this is, again, it doesn't matter for you. Yeah. This there is are many pro-life, pro-life women and abortion is a separate issue because it's not, it has it's to. It's body autonomy. It, it's body autonomy. Know, it, yeah. And it's freedom. It's medical freedom. And if, yeah, you can't say good for the goose, but not good for the gander. That's what it really comes down to. Once you have an unborn entity in there, it's not just your body, though. It's another entity. Yeah, but it's not. And this is that was the whole viability thing that went in front of the Supreme Court in 1994. And you cannot, and this is the standard that everybody has to keep in their mind. You cannot compel somebody to give part of their body to save somebody else's life. Yeah, that you is can't a, give somebody a kidney. You can't force somebody to do that. I have been even if you want to take life standing, the heart rate standing, mm. you cannot force somebody to give up their life for another person. And that's the crux of body autonomy. Yeah. And, and I will. Yeah, so I will. This goes back to medical freedom. This mm. goes back to medical privacy. This goes back to that Obamacare argument of no one in the government should be between a person and their provider. And that mm. is true. Yeah, and no, it I've, shouldn't I'm just... be the person and their provider, and that doesn't matter if we're talking about things related to trans children. It shouldn't re- be about breast augmentation, whether that's from cancer treatment mm. or transitioning, and it shouldn't be for abortion or healthcare or ectopic pregnancy or any of those there, other but... <laughs> things. Because here's the thing: here's the thing. The same thing that happens mm. to a woman's body. If she has, let's say, for instance, a miscarriage, let's say, for instance, she had IVF and Mm. only wanted to keep two or three out of 10 that took, that's a DNC. That is the same as a surgical abortion. (coughs) So people don't always have that in their mind, that if you legislate against that, Mm. you are taking away other standards of care for different people as well. I feel like if we were going to do that, then we would 
make clear exemptions for those but standards. They don't, and they yeah. haven't. And, and that's where and you you mentioned this actually on your juice podcast, which I which I thought was very accurate, both with the these trans bills and this abortion bill. We write bills very vaguely yeah. in Tallahassee. And that creates a lot of problems for us. Like you had the okay. When you had the situation, the viral video out of all the books out of the library, obviously that's not what the law actually said, but because the law was written so ambiguously, they everyone just said, we don't know what to do, so we're going to pull it all out. And so we have a real problem with our party with the law of unintended consequences and yeah. understanding that. What I will say about abortion, because well, I- Hold on, I want you to put a pin on that because uh, I want to talk about vagueness in laws first. Okay, yes, let's do that. <laughs> So if we want to get out of that Mobius strip, there's a few things we have to do. One is make sure that things that are going through the Florida legislature are for the purpose of governing and not making political red meat statements. Yeah. These fly by night things that are put out there. So, you know, to look good or to rile the other side, to own the libs or whatever is how we get garbage legislation and causes problems. Fiscal conservatives yeah. should be worried about this because oh, yeah. you're talking about waste in the public sphere, whether you're talking about healthcare or schools mm -hmm. or tort. Because if a law is vague, you are wasting money and time in the public realm. Two, yeah. and you're going to hate this one, but you're going to love it. It's we need to eliminate term limits. And this is why. Because people in the legislature do not have the knowledge of how to write appropriate bills. They half the time don't even know what the Florida Constitution says, let alone the federal constitution. So they're constantly passing legislation that has been deemed unconstitutional. And it's that institutional knowledge that is lost when we mm. have term limits. On top of the fact that term limits create a pipeline of individuals that are funded and beholden to elite donors and corporations who can keep them in there. Mm. And I was going to say, I knew you were going to hate this, but this I is was true. Like, so that's the part oh, no, of the I'm a big term limits guy. That's, well, that, right. This is so, a fair well, argument. Term I mean, limits, but your term limits because you're, the idea is we want to get new people in there. I agree. I love it. But to get new people in there, you've traded one evil for the yeah, next. That's now fair. you're getting trash legislation and corporate elite capture you're, of the legislature. You're, you make fair arguments. I'm still for term limits, but you make fair arguments. <laughs> uh, no, and it's definitely, I agree. You get amateurs every eight years coming into Tallahassee every eight years or so. So it makes sense that they're not go you're going in. They don't know what yeah. they're doing because they're just doing it. It's the next big thing for whatever their step in it's their just career somebody, is. They're just moving the pawns. Exactly. Moving the pawns on the board to the mm -hmm. next spot. Can I talk about the back to the trans rights thing? That's yeah. Go ahead. Come over here. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Honestly, I really get close. Let her get close to the mic. Okay. She's going to say something. Let's hop in. We only have one mic, guys. So that's why you have to subscribe on BigMouthMediaFL.com. We're going to, yeah, we're going to so every week. So that's going to go up. So here's the deal. You want to get a good deal. You get your subscription to DVR in a bar this week or next week. Cause that'll only be $2.99 a month. And if you get that year long subscription of $29.99 a year, you'll lock in that for the whole rest of the year because afterwards it's going to go up to $4.99 a month. Cause we got to do it every week. Save money now. So yeah. help us get this second mic. <laughs> so trans, trans Thank rights. you. I need a mic. I wanted to really appeal to the people who are just listening, who don't understand what's really going on with this parental bill rights and, and transgender and gender nonconforming children. I really want to talk about the fact that this is not a Democrat or a Republican issue. These are human beings. These are children who have parents 
the government is not supposed to come in and tell me what to do with my body, my family, period. That doesn't matter what, how I vote or what party I affiliate with. We talk about like the basic premise of American freedom. How can we truly be free if the government owns our body or our choices? And then to come in and tell us what we can and cannot do with our children? Think about that. That I am a human. I have a child. No matter what I believe, no matter how I vote, I'm a mother with children. And there are mothers with children all over the state panicking right now. We need the mothers to think about this. Thank you. She's, and I do want to say, because that's something we've been talking about quite a bit, and she's absolutely right that at the end of the day, these policies against against trans people, they're supposed to help children. That's what the Republicans are saying they're for, but they're not going to. The effects are going to be negative. And especially with this type of issue where we don't know enough scientifically about it, we shouldn't be moving forward with these type of legislation and these type of issues. That's my opinion on it. It's definitely not the mainstream Republican opinion. <laughs> I'm definitely going against the grain there. But that and it's a very personal issue for me. Like I said, I had a relative come out um, as trans and it helped me understand it better. But even before that, I lived with a couple of trans people. So I've always been a pro LGBTQ plus conservative. Me understanding sort of what these individuals go through and those the process that they have to go through, it's, it's really helped me understand that this isn't the right way to go. And so I definitely, but yeah, thank you, Crystal, for explaining it as a mother experiencing this, these concerns, because I think people need to, need to understand the, the really, gravity. the exactly the gravity of the situation. If you're, think about it this way, if you're a Republican, how would you feel if we were under a Democratic administration and they said, if you have a gun in your house, you can't have children and we're going to take away your kids away. This is essentially the same thing where you're saying that a parent does not have a right to their child, which was the very thing we were fighting of in this election cycle. I, quite frankly, feel deceived by some of my fellow Republicans by them proposing these legislations that blatantly go against parental rights. It's hypocritical. You campaigned on this issue and I supported that issue. But now we're going into parents can't can't take their kids to this thing or parents can't do this. If we are for parents' rights, we're for parents' rights across the board or we're not for parents' rights. It's plain and simple. Okay. I did actually, there is one more bill that I think it did pass that I am excited for that I know you won't be excited for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, which one is that? That is the constitutional carry bill. Oh, that yeah, is, it has been a big one for me. I have actually been a big time supporter of a constitutional carry because as someone with you a, don't know the data on how many people are going well to yeah and i brought this up recently because there is a fight apparently between jamal bowman and thomas massey on the house floor about the issue of gun deaths and gun violence and what i really want people to understand is it's not even that republicans don't want to do anything it's because of the constitution we generally can't because of the second amendment now there are times and we have had republicans propose and get involved with constitutional gun safety legislation. Pat Toomey, John Cornyn, there's been proposals, but the Second Amendment is very clear as what it says and what it says. And I've been more of a supporter of constitutional carry for a different reason. Because of my autism, I don't really get the right to own a gun. Now, mind you, I still won't have the right to own a gun, but with, again, with con from my understanding, I still won't have a right because you're autistic? Because of hospitalizations. 
so because of cycle when you get Baker racted, I think it's especially after the Marjorie Taylor, not Marjorie Taylor Green, the Mar yes, not the yeah, the Marjorie Taylor Green Act. Freudian slip, if there ever was one. I'm wearing her work husband's shirt. So I, anyway, but Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Bill, it's like yeah. there's a 10 year period after you are Baker acted where you lose that, which I believe itself is unconstitutional because the only way you have the ability, you should lose your rights is through due process of a law, through a court of law, which that doesn't happen with a lot of mentally ill people. I'm not saying that we should let mentally people who are emotionally unstable have guns, but not all people with mental illness are emotionally unstable. And so for me, the reason I'm so pro-Second Amendment, if you will, pro-gun, is because so often, anytime there's a shooting and it's someone with mental illness, we're the scapegoats. Even Marco Rubio, I did not vote for Marco Rubio in his recent election. I went libertarian. And the reason I did is because Marco Rubio, when I emailed him about this, emailed me back and said, quote, we should keep guns out of the hands of the mentally ill. That's, that is ableism. That is an ableist statement. And that's why I feel so passionately about this and why I've been a supporter of pretty radical, per se, Second Amendment bills. But I think there is a, a point to be made that there is a lot of data that gun control would work. I think that we can't deny that as Republicans. I, there's the If anyone's ever seen that famous Jim Jeffries bit on gun control, there's you look it up on YouTube. It's hilarious, but I think it emphasizes the only real argument for gun control which is we want our guns, we get the right to keep our guns because it's in the constitution. And, but yeah, I mean, you could, I'm sure you can, you have so much data and I don't dis discredit the data. I think it's accurate, but I also think we have this pesky little constitution with this pesky little second amendment that specifically says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not That's be infringed. It it, the full thing it says, like, cause I feel <laughs> like I knew, it says. I knew you were going to say this. So it's the right of a well-regulated no, the well-regulated militia is not a part of the. So here's the thing: <laughs> the full text is a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The well-regulated militia part—that's the reason for the right. The right exists because at that time, as the founding fathers' time, the people would organize in or in organized militias, and they needed their weapons to do that. That's why the Second Amendment exists. But the right itself is the right of the people to keep and bear arms. Where I will concede, though, where I don't think most Republicans would concede, but where I will concede, is the right itself deals specifically with ownership and possession. It does not deal with manufacturing or building of weapons. In theory, there could be an assault weapons ban, and it could be constitutional. On the manufacturer side. On the manufacturer and commercial side. Yeah. But if you own one, they can't take it away from you sure. because that's the Second Amendment. Sure. And I would honestly support legislation like that as long as it clearly defined what those weapons were. Yeah, clear, it was clearly defined. Because, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have people spraying those type of bullets. You know. elementary schools. Yes, maybe. exactly. So my thing is actually just all the data that shows us now we have gun violence being the leading cause of death for children and teens in this country. Mm -hmm. Horrifying. It is more likely that you will be successfully kill yourself with through suicide by domestic violence you are something like 14 times more likely to die in a domestic violence yeah. situation if there's a weapon in the home it's these types of things that make me worry about what happens when we have 
constitutional carry. Mm. Anybody can have it. And, you know, what's going to happen? We're also going to see a market uptick in accidental shootings. And that's been happening a ton, too. Somebody has a weapon that's unsecured. You mm. saw a five-year-old kill his one-year-old sister yeah. just up in Tampa this week. And that type of stuff happens all the time because people are not careful with their weapons. That's, yeah. I was a mom's demand candidate. I support <coughs> common sense gun legislation, which includes mm. background checks, requirements of having safes in your security for your weapons. And I think that these will help keep us safe. I also am a proponent of a manufacturing ban because I think that we absolutely can mm. do that at the federal yeah. level because you can determine what can be sold. Manufacture and sale. You can... Yeah. We, we can regulate interstate commerce as Absolutely. well as the federal level, and it could be regulated interstate at the state level. Yeah. And so if you look at the Constitution from the textualist standpoint, what the text actually says, the right really only deals with the right of an individual to own a firearm. It doesn't. Spe it technically doesn't specify what type of firearm. It's why, for example, people can't own nuclear weapons. Well, there you go. Like, where are we going to draw yeah. the line? So we're, we are coming to time here. One thing I did want to ask on this, is Ron DeSantis going to veto it for open carry? Veto? He, he's talking about vetoing that and having a special session for open carry. What? You haven't heard that. I did not hear that. Why yeah. would he? That sounds so stupid. Is it, I don't know. Does like, he think that it's... the constitutional carry is not good enough. Wait, so I guess we will see. Wait, hang on. So is open is I thought open carry was already there's already legislation being proposed now. So there isn't and he's wanting to do a separate session. I I just I that's what I heard that if the constitutional carry but if it doesn't if full open carry does not that's happen he will veto the constitutional carry and open a special session just, for it. That I, is, is what I heard. I don't know. I if he does that's stupid. One just first off, take the win. If we can't get open carry this session, we can't get open carry. Take the freaking win. Take the win. And then, and then two, you do this and it doesn't go through. It just makes right when you're about to run for president, like you're delaying constitutional carry and Second Amendment rights. But I think he's, I think, listen, it could be a strategy to keep session going. So, that's true, too. So he could keep that's what forefront. I'm, that's that's, that's I, I a almost, good point, too. I almost too. think I'm going to do a little prediction and then we should cut it off here. Yeah. I think what he's going to do is he's going to, put on a few special sessions here. He's going to delay his announcement as long as he can. And he keeps getting free media when he puts up these bills that are just mm. the red meat. You know what I mean? The whole country's yeah, talking about smart. him. So he could do that and just keep it out and it's, then he can run. It reminds me later. when everyone was waiting for Biden to announce and everyone just like following him. And we all knew he was going to announce, yep. but they were like, the media was like on his every word when he was ever going anywhere. Yep. So you're right. That makes a, it that is be. a good point. It wouldn't surprise me. It's an, it would be an interesting strategy, and he's already raising money for his super PAC and everything. So it's right. not like he's limited in that. Yeah. Well, we'll see after Easter. So we have a couple yeah, weeks here. Have a couple legislation weeks. session is that we'll legislative sessions in session. I will be watching what gets passed. I actually yeah, I'll be watching what what gets passed, and we'll see what happens there. I'm super excited after Easter to start doing this every week. I'm every very week, much we'll have this. lots to talk about for sure. Oh <laughs> yeah. We went over an hour today. No problem. Wait, we really? Oh, of course we did. <laughs> That's right. I did. So thank you so much for joining us here for a Democrat and Republican walk in the bar. I'm Dr. Cindy Vanier. Been uh, here with. I'm Sean Hartman wearing my Byron Donald's shirt, probably not representing uh, him. What was some of the positions? Burn it, burn it in the parking lot. Anyway, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. His, I'm sure him and his team is not super I'm happy sure with me. Super stoked yeah, with was, this show with me. I know. Yeah. No, I'm like. No, not only that, me over here talking about trans rights and everything. Oh, all the things. But yeah, thank you. Make sure that you're subscribing. Donate money to you. <laughs> you can purchase different shirts.
right? <laughs> we actually have, <laughs> so definitely check us out. You can subscribe to the audio podcast wherever you get your podcast, mm -hmm. whether it's Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We got it all. You can go to the Big Mouth Media website, bigmouthmediafl.com. Mm -hmm. That's where if you want all of the content, you want to come here, you want to be like Crystal and get on camera, you got to be mm -hmm. one of our subscribers. And you do that through the Big Mouth Media Prices and Plans page and get that subscription in $2.99 a month. But that $29.99 a year will get you a full year before the prices go up. So act now. Thanks yep. so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time, the first Sunday after Easter. Bye-bye. Sure. And enjoy your Easter break, guys. Yep. Happy Easter, everyone. Be blessed. <laughs> Thank you.